Welcome to the Kingdom Community. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the Kingdom of God on the earth. To learn more about us, please visit kingdomcommunity.global. We look forward to hearing from you. We offer training, mentoring, and a spiritual family to belong to that will encourage you, equip you, and empower you to move forward to fulfill your purpose in advancing God's kingdom. To learn more about the Kingdom Community, please visit the website kingdomcommunity.global forward slash connect. Again, that's kingdomcommunity.global forward slash connect and watch our explainer video. Well, in today's episode, we are pulling out a timeless classic episode from the Kingdom Encounter archives. We're going to be talking about apostolic centers. Actually, the next two podcasts, we're going to be looking at the calling of the church based on what we see in the book of Acts, in the ministry of Jesus Christ himself, that we are called to be an apostolic force on the earth. Guys, it's going to be powerful. We're going to be looking at what is an apostolic center as well as the mission and the assignment of apostolic centers or communities. We're going to be looking at the calling of the church based on what we see in the book of Acts, in the ministry of Jesus Christ himself, that we are called to be an apostolic force on the earth. Guys, it's going to be powerful. We're going to be looking at what is an apostolic center as well as the mission and the assignment of apostolic centers or communities. And they saw incredible transformation in their regions. They saw the power of God shake their cities, shake their nations, and bring people to under the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's a powerful thing. Acts chapter 19, verse 10 talks about how Paul was in Ephesus, and in two years' time, it says that all of Asia heard the word of the Lord. The 20th verse of Acts 19 says, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Powerful, powerful. So an apostolic center by definition is a kingdom resource center that exists. I put down here three reasons for uh, an apostolic center existing. And let me just say something that, um, you know, I've got a video. I did an interview with Alain Caron. He's a guy from Quebec in Canada. Uh, He wrote an amazing book called Apostolic Centers. And we, we talked a lot about um, what it means to shift into an apostolic paradigm of ministry. So a church can be apostolic, okay. but we're talking about something that's more than just a church, a single congregation, in other words. We're talking about in a city, in a region, because obviously Jerusalem was a big city. And then when you look at um, Corinth, we'll talk about Corinth in a moment. Corinth was in Achaia, the capital city. Then you've got uh, Antioch, which was in Antioch was in um, Syria, again, the capital city. And then we are um, we look at Ephesus in Asia Minor, which was also the capital city. So very strategic where these particular um, centers were located. And when we talk about apostolic centers, it's not just a single church trying to reach their city. It's the bringing together 
of God's people in a region. They may meet in, because the early church met by and large in homes, but they're coming together to make a difference. And, uh, and, and I'm looking forward in a future session, I'm going to be bringing someone on who's actually involved in such uh, an expression of ministry in Australia. So uh, an apostolic center is a kingdom resource center that exists, number one, to preach the gospel of the kingdom in the power of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders following. Of course, seeing people come to Jesus Christ and um, seeing, seeing the principalities and powers of darkness dethroned in a region breakthrough, deliverances, healings, all of these kind of things, basically resulting in transformation. Um, secondly, to equip and disciple believers into the fullness of the stature of Christ Jesus. This is really important because a lot of times when we talk about discipleship and equipping people, our focus has tended to be on just getting people to do ministry, just get them activated, just, just get them doing stuff. But the, the, it, the whole point of equipping, when you look at Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, is to bring, so there would be unity of the faith, but that we would all grow into the, that fullness of the stature of Christ Jesus. One man, you know, a perfect man, that teleos man is the, what the Greek speaks of, complete, and to the fullness of the stature of Christ. So we need to be mature. We need to, to become like Jesus Christ. And if people are not becoming like Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter if they're coming to church every week or they're serving on a worship team or even preaching. The goal of ministry is to see people become like Jesus and not only to walk like he walks, 1 John 2, 6, but to do the works that he did. John 14, verse 12, Jesus spoke of that as well. So lastly, to train and activate and send out disciples to fulfill their calling, to do the works of the ministry, and to advance the kingdom in every sphere of society among the nations so that cities and nations are transformed. So that's just um, you know, a general overview. I want to talk a little bit about the Apostle Paul. And when we look at this, we are going to actually see the reason why Paul was so successful uh, when he was on the earth uh, actually had to do with his willingness to learn, to be a student, and, and to even change. Now, guys, humility is such an important characteristic. We can say, well, I've done this, or I know how to do it, but we're in a season right now, particularly because of what's happened with the pandemic, where people just are not interested in church, uh, plus postmodernism, secularism, everything else that's been going on in our world. It's just compounded the situation. And people are not as interested, generally speaking, in the institutional church. People want relationships and people even want to know God. Many people they have a spiritual appetite and, and uh, knowledge uh, that they're seeking after, knowledge of, of the things, spiritual things. And so there's that hunger in a sense, but the institutional church has, has really lost its appeal in many places. You know, some are saying that um, one third of all the churches will end up being closed after the pandemic is is completed in many nations of the world. 
particularly in Western nations. We're called to take the gospel to people. And um, the church is who we are, but the kingdom is what we do. That's not my quote, by the way. My guest the other night on my interview, Dr. Larry Titus said that the church is who we are. Kingdom is what we do. We preach the gospel of the kingdom and we take the kingdom to the nation. So we're going to look at Paul. Paul was very effective and he continued to grow in grace and knowledge and understanding uh, uh, of a better way to reach people. We're going to examine his missionary journeys. There are three main missionary journeys. And of course, he was under house arrest as well in Rome, as, as outlined in Acts 28. So Paul was, um, without doubt, used more than anyone in his day. And uh, that's, you know, he, it, and I think that Paul, even in each subsequent journey, he saw greater breakthroughs and greater levels of, of success in his ministry because his secret was to focus more on raising up and equipping other people as well. So let's look at Paul's missionary journeys really quickly and tell you what I'm going to do for you guys um, later on. Message me or email me admin at awakenations.org and I will send you the notes for uh, what I'm about to share with you regarding the Apostle Paul's life. Okay, it's a powerful overview of his ministry and his mission. So let's talk about Paul's first missionary journey. Okay. It happened in the years 47 and 48 AD, Acts chapter 13, verse 1, all the way through chapter 14, verse 28, um, outline the the details and of Paul's first missionary journey. The team was Paul and Barnabas, and at one point, John Mark, uh, he was with them for a portion of the trip. Their mes- methodology was that of traveling from town to town, making disciples, and then moving on to the next town. They covered about 1,500 miles in a year. So this was no small um, feat that they accomplished by any means. The results were it, clearly God was all over what they were doing. God was blessing them. But the work was primarily incremental growth. It was growth by addition. Churches were left behind, um, really, with with no skilled or or mature leadership, seasoned leaders, and required a lot of follow-up work. So we see Paul and Barnabas going back um, and and, uh, visiting these churches. Of course, Paul goes back later with Silas and others, Acts 14, 21, and 23, and so on. Now, there's another weakness with the approach, and the weakness with that approach was because Paul and Barnabas were the founding member. They were the founders of the churches. When they departed, there was no church leadership left at all. And so it was paramount that after they they needed some time to just kind of see who would arise, you know, the leadership uh, would would kind of the cream of the crop would would arise to the surface, so they'd be able to eventually go back with apostolic authority and appoint elders over each church. Now, it's hard for us to really say, well, these guys they were doing a great job. I mean, what what was wrong with what Paul and Barnabas was doing? But the truth is, God was realizing that in in the not too distant future, they were going to 
um, run into a leadership deficit, guys. So the Lord uses an event that was an unfortunate event. It was a disagreement between the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, and it ended up that it resulted in a split, and Barnabas went his separate way, and Paul went one way. And then Paul, at this point, what he does now is he brings with him Silas, and then we see in his uh, second missionary journey, there's Timothy, Luke, and then eventually uh, Priscilla and Aquila also joined him. So second missionary journey happens in the year 49 to 52 AD, covered Macedonia and Achaia. And we can read about this in Acts chapter 15, verses 36, all the way through Acts 18, verse 22. Now, Paul's second journey, God uh, began to shift Paul to a a multiplying um, church planning strategy, so to speak, where he ended up, Paul, being left all by himself in one of the darkest cities in the world at that time in Corinth. So what happens is Paul uh, and Timothy and Silas and Luke, we read about them together in Acts 16. And then in Acts chapter 17, we see Paul, Silas, and Timothy. So where did Luke go? Most likely, Paul left him in one of the cities to continue leading the churches, discipling people. And then in Acts chapter 17, 14 through 18, 5, now Paul is in Corinth and he's by himself. And I don't think Paul really had any plans to stay there long term because Jesus actually appears to him. And we read this in Acts 18, verses 9 through 11. Jesus appears to Paul and gives him this message. He says, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent for I'm with you. And no man will attack you in order to harm you for many people in this city. And then it says, and Paul settled there a year and six months teaching the word of the Lord. So here's, here's my take on it. I think what ended up happening is Paul was like, okay, I'm here. I have no plans to stay here, but the Lord supernaturally intervened and said, Paul, I want you to stay here. And when you look at Paul, the next 18 months, he poured in, into the lives of so many. He raised up incredible leaders. When you, when you look at um, those who, who were raised up in ministry during this time, you'll see later on in some of Paul's writings, he refers to them. Incredible leaders were raised up during this time. So it was time where Paul was being prepared uh, and and really learning a new paradigm to be able to do effective ministry. So by the time he leaves Corinth after a year and a half, eventually the third missionary journey, we read about that in Acts 18, 23 through Acts 21, 16, occurred in the years 52 to 56 AD, covered Asia Minor about 4,000 miles <laughs> in that day. Powerful. And so what happens is Paul had learned a valuable principle, and on his next journey, he invests himself completely to the task of multiplying leaders from the harvest who could be deployed into the harvest. Now, what I'm saying is Paul goes to Ephesus, and while he is in Ephesus for two years, he starts off in the synagogue, he gets rejected, and he goes down the street to the lecture hall of Tyrannus the school of Tyrannus, and he brings the disciples with him. And for two years, 
He's pouring into them. He's training them. And it says, and all of Asia Minor heard the gospel. Now, at this point, Paul is raising up others. He's mentoring others. How could one man effectively reach all of Asia Minor? I mean, you read um, Revelation 2 and 3, and you see the seven churches that are listed there. Those were significant cities. That is part of Asia Minor. And, and how could one man in, in just three years, you know, um, he didn't even leave the city of Ephesus. So how could he have left, impacted all of Asia Minor? Well, I believe it's because he raised up leaders whom he sent out to go to these cities, to go to these towns. And that's the, his strategy. So Paul is actually establishing uh, a, a training base, so to speak, for world missions. And this training center happened to be the formation of the church in Ephesus. Now, think about that for a moment. He didn't go there and plant a church. He went there and he made disciples. He had this training center, so to speak, where he was equipping and pouring into them. And out of that, of course, was the formation of a church. Paul planted a church-based leadership training missions base to strategically multiply and mobilize a missions force to reach all of Asia Minor. Wow, that's powerful. So Paul was used so effectively by the Lord in this season because he poured himself into others. He multiplied himself. You know, Jesus did that as well. When you look at particularly the the latter part of his, his life on the earth, he was pouring into his disciples and he was getting them prepared to to carry on his mission. Very, very powerful. So Paul was uh, raising up others. He was a leader who never stopped learning. He was a leader who realized that he had to shift. He had to change. He was going to reach more people. And rather than just have a gathering where Paul did all the preaching and all the ministry, um, you know, and people came and we'll talk about these characteristics uh, in, in just a second, it was all about equipping and raising up people to do what? To be discipled and, and to fulfill the great commission of Jesus Christ. So let's uh, look at seven significant apostolic shifts the church must make today. If we are going to impact the world, if we're going to reach more people with the gospel, here are, I believe, seven things that we need to do. Now, Again, this is not an all-inclusive list. There's obviously other things I'm sure that you could come up with that it's important in seeing the church become more effective and more missional and having a greater impact in the world. But the first thing is we have to move away from a modern pastoral paradigm to the ancient apostolic approach to ministry, meaning this, that pastors, where you go to a church and you have a pastor who does all the ministry and maybe a, they have some staff members, but they do all the ministry and they minister to you. And, and you know, if they don't um, give you the time that you deserve or, or treat you the way <laughs> you think you should be treated, you know, they, people get offended, people leave churches. Um, and it's all about a consumer mentality. I'm going to church and, and uh, I need a pastor and I need this. But the, the apostolic certainly ministers to you and shows pastoral care. But the apostolic is about let's not leave you as someone who's dependent on a leader. Let's not leave you as someone who's just um, not growing and not changing. But let's 
challenge you and let's equip you and let's call out of you and and pull out of you the the potential that God has for your life to see you transformed and and raised up so you can fulfill your destiny and live like Jesus on the earth and and make a kingdom impact in your city, your nation, wherever you may be, regardless if you're in the marketplace or full-time ministry or whatever. So that's a significant shift that has to take place. And then for those of you who were in the last session, we talked about the difference between the gospel of salvation and the gospel of the kingdom, which uh, by and large is based upon our misunderstanding of the gospel of salvation. So we need to recognize the gospel of the kingdom. If you're not part of the gospel of the kingdom course, guys, you can still sign up. Um, You've just missed the one session. Just go to awakenations.org forward slash equip. And you can sign up there, okay? Uh, Then thirdly, from pressing people to make a decision for Jesus to leading people into discipleship. There's so much pressure put on people today. You need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now. Say this prayer, put up your hand, you know? And and I believe in the urgency of, uh, you know, people coming to Christ. It's an urgent thing. I believe in that. But what is happening often is, we get people to confess or, or make a profession, and in reality, inside, they've not really grasped what the gospel is, and we need to focus more on discipleship, not just while we get them to, quote-unquote, accept Jesus, then we disciple them. That's not the way you see Jesus, by and large, or even the Apostle Paul, for example, in Acts 19, working. He's preaching. He's teaching. And he's contending and he's, he's refuting their, their arguments, even when he's dealing with the Jews and he's speaking to them about the kingdom of God and, and people are listening eagerly and, and he's ministering to them this gospel and, and telling them what it's like to be a follower of Jesus and to be uh, a member of God's household and, and be in his kingdom. And, and people are listening and, and they're, the, the revelation is just soaking in their spirits and eventually they're getting this and, and they're wanting to follow him out of not compulsion or, or being in any way compelled but just uh, they want to do it out of their own spirit and, and free will. The church needs to move away from superficial relationships, fleeting relationships where we see people just for a few moments before or after a gathering and really start focusing on building community. So important. We need to build community time together where grace and honor are modeled So many people need to see that grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the unconditional love of God the Father, and uh, how we respect and honor people. Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by your love one for another. So moving into authentic community, we need to shift from passive participation, just going to church, uh, quote unquote, to actually active engagement where we become the church and we are mobilized for mission. So important. So many people, I'm going to church. I'm trying to get rid of that language. Um, we are the church. We don't go to church. We go into all the world. We go to gather. I get that. We, we go to assemble with other believers, to worship, to pray, to be taught. 
I get all that. And that's important. We don't want to forsake the assembling together of ourselves. We need one another. There's over uh, 40 commandments in the New Testament talk about one another and how the body will not truly grow until each part is, is making its contribution. But we need to do more than just show up because there are a lot of people that are showing up, but they're not growing up. There are a lot of people that have been very successful in life, especially people that are now older, but they still lack significance. And what the younger generation is looking for, especially is significance, purpose, you know, doing something, missions, um, you know, being radical, doing something all sold out to God and, and really going, living uh, life on mission. Very, very powerful. Moving from just intellectual knowledge about God, well, we memorize the four spiritual laws. We we memorize the, you know, the basic doctrines of the Christian faith. And again, there's nothing wrong with doing those things. But if it's only up here, if it's only intellectual, then that's not enough. We are to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. John, that's 2 Peter 3, 18. The grace and knowledge of Jesus, not the, necessarily the word. The word teaches us about Jesus, and we need to study the word, and we should know the word. I spend hours every week in the word, but the point I'm trying to make here is the word points us to Jesus. Jesus said in John 5, you diligently study the scripture, and these scriptures testify of me, but yet you refuse to come to me that you might have eternal life. So you can study the scriptures, and have your life is, you're not connected to Jesus. You don't know Jesus. So there needs to be encounters. People need to experience the power, the anointing, the glory of God, and have supernatural encounters with the Lord. This is so important, so powerful. So uh, lastly, from church as a place, we go to worship God and, and to serve in ministry to apostolic centers that equip and send people out to transform cities and nations. That's the big difference right there. You know, for a long time, we've heard about when you come to this church, we're going to share with you the vision of the house. And we're going to ask you to get behind that vision, you know, serve, give your money, um, pray, do all these things. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. And we should have a vision. But ultimately, the vision needs to be God's vision. The mission needs to be God's mission. And we can all come into agreement and, and alignment with that. There can be a cohesiveness about that. But we have to recognize that the call of fivefold ministry, according to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, is to see people equipped and um, come into the fullness of the stature of Christ and to fulfill their destiny, their calling, their purpose. So they are sent out once. They are uh, apostolic people. Uh, apostolic means um, apostelos in Greek. It means to be sent out. So there are uh, people that are living on mission to fulfill the great commission, to reach all people. We talked about this in the gospel of the kingdom session, reaching the unreached peoples, reaching all nations with the gospel so that all people everywhere, not only hear the gospel, but they're also discipled conform to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Hey guys, Glenn Blakeney here. I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Audible. Head over to audibletrial.com forward slash kingdom community and sign up for the free 30-day trial and download any audiobook that you wish. And at the end of the 30 days, if you don't continue with the subscription, the book is still yours to keep. 
man, there's so many great resources on Audible. Again, just head over to audibletrial.com forward slash kingdom community. The last part I want to touch on, and I know I'm giving you a lot of information, um, but I, I want to just look at some important features of apostolic centers, important features of apostolic centers. First of all, apostolic centers, we're referring to Jerusalem, we're referring to Antioch, uh, Corinth is a type of an Antioch, uh, an apostolic center, maybe more of a, a precursor, a prototype, and, and then ultimately Ephesus. You know, they were started by an apostle or apostles. And even in Paul's case, when an apostle decided to move on, like after he left Ephesus, for example, he appointed elders. And it seems that maybe even he had Timothy appoint the elders, or, or at least he told Timothy who the elders were to be. And But yet this apostolic relationship and authority continued. And you see Paul coming back. You see Paul still speaking into that church and, and addressing the elders and the leaders. So they respected his apostolic authority and that apostolic relationship continued after he left. Many places today, that no longer happens. You know, apostles are foundation layers. First Corinthians 3.10 speaks about that. And when you build a foundation as an apostle, and maybe someone else comes and builds upon that, you lay that foundation. Um, Paul says, you know, I, I, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. But the point is that what happens is sometimes you have this, you, you leave, you move on, but you have this relationship still. But in many places today, in denominations, they bring somebody in, and I've seen it happen so many times. They totally destroy the work that the apostle did, all the hard work that the apostle did. Because they bring someone in who um, really, in many instances, I'll just say it, I don't believe it was God's will that person comes in to continue because the apostle should be involved in, in appointing a successor. That's the biblical way and what we see. Yes, he has relationship with the people. He's involved in that, or at least with the leaders, he has relationship. So really important. Apostolic centers in the New Testament, New Testament were strategically established in metropolitan areas. I've already touched on this. For example, Antioch was the capital city of Syria. Corinth was the capital city of Achaia. Ephesus was the capital city of Asia Minor. They were all metropolitan regions and provincial capitals. Very important when you're talking about doing uh, something that's going to impact a large area. It seems to be the pattern in the New Testament is to go to these um, metropolitan regions, these cosmopolitan areas. Apostolic centers release the power of the kingdom with signs and wonders following. They take territory from the enemy and they shift the spiritual atmosphere. Guys, they pray, they do warfare, but they also demonstrate the power of the kingdom. Again, looking at Paul's example, Acts chapter 19, 11 through 20, God wrought or God performed extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul's so that handkerchiefs or aprons were taken from his body and they were placed on the sick. And those who were ill and had various diseases were healed. And those who were possessed, demons came out of them. 
And God did something powerful in such a way that when people saw the miracles, uh, they came and they brought their enchantments and their witchcraft and occult paraphernalia, and they burned it in the fire. So many people came to Christ. They had such an impact on that area with people turning away from idols to the living God that the local craftsmen who, who uh, made these idols became incensed and they attacked Paul and they wanted him uh, you know, killed, really. But and because he had impacted the economy, you know, it's like you go into an area that there's so many people that are drug users and you begin to go in there and people get radically saved and transformed and they stop taking drugs and the drug dealers get upset with you, you know, put it in the modern day context that you're looking at something close to that. So apostolic people, apostolic centers, guys, they come together to wage warfare and demonstrate the power of the kingdom and see um, the enemy dethroned and toppled in a region. You know, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning after they came back from their missionary trip when he sent them out in Luke uh, chapter 10. And it shifts the spiritual atmosphere. Okay, apostolic centers um, are discipleship and leadership development hubs for equipping God's people into maturity and ministry. Focus on training and equipping God's people. We're working with churches right now where these churches are like, yeah, we want to change and we want to be you know, equipped so we can really raise up people. Instead of just having an audience that shows up every Sunday, what if you had an army, an army that came together to receive marching orders, to be trained and equipped, to be sharpened, you know, um, and, and, but then to go out and make an impact, you know, and to serve together, to serve together in your city and region. Powerful. Apostolic centers also raised up and released fivefold ministry teams. You know, they, we see apostles and prophets, plurality of leaders working together in a region. Um, we see an example of that. We don't have time to get into all this. I have an entire, really several sessions I teach on how to build fivefold ministry teams, and it's based on the New Testament. Apostolic centers send out and resource missionaries. They send out and resource missionaries. Acts 13 Paul and Barnabas are sent out, but in Acts 14, verse 26, they come back to the church in Antioch uh, where they had been sent out. And it's obvious, it's implied that the church in Antioch was supporting them as they sent them out as well. Apostolic centers, lastly, link local churches and ministries together, like in a network, in order to establish um, alignment. So there's cooperation and collaboration. So we can see synergy for greater kingdom impact. It's amazing if we come together, what we can see take place when we work together, rather than all these people doing their own things, just kind of autonomously operating. What if we came together, churches in a region, the people of God? What if we pooled our resources and we, we shared vision and strategy and we worked on some things together? Because Sometimes, you know, we're, we're all members of the body and each one of us has a very important role and special place uh, and unique contribution to make. And when we come together, 
in that apostolic mandate to preach the gospel of the kingdom to the nations, to make disciples of the nations, and to see God change cities and nations around the world as he rocks them with the power of God, as people are, are discipled and, and they're set free from the powers of the enemy and they're transformed through, through the word of God and, and through a lifestyle of following God and serving him and coming under the lordship of Christ. What an incredible thing. What an incredible thing that is when we see that happen on the earth. Wow. I believe that apostolic centers are needed today more than ever before in key regions. You know, there's different ways to collaborate. There's different ways to do this. You may be a person that simply has a hunger to begin to gather people just to pray and to begin to contend for transformation in your area and to begin to equip and, and raise up others to become more like Christ and to be able to minister like Jesus did when he was on the earth. God will use you if you have that heart. Get connected to an apostle. Get connected to other spiritual leaders, fivefold ministry. That's going to greatly help you and also offer you safety and covering as well. Welcome to the Kingdom Community. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you out into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God. The kingdom community is unique in that we are not seeking to build a denomination or a religious organization. Our aim is to promote the Lord Jesus Christ, build up and equip his body, and advance the kingdom to the nations of the world. We invite you to connect with us and become part of the Kingdom Community family. We are here to stand with you and celebrate your place in the body of Christ. We need each other and we are much better together. We exist to equip you to live an overcoming life and fulfill your purpose in God's Kingdom. Through our live monthly training sessions, our webinars, online courses, discipleship resources, and personal mentoring, you will be transformed and equipped to make a difference in the world. Jesus said, the harvest is great and the workers are few. The Kingdom community is here to see you released into your calling with the full manifestation of God's blessing and favor on your life. We offer apostolic covering and relational connection. The Kingdom community has a team of seasonal leaders who can help you with guidance, counsel, coaching, and mentoring. Ministerial credentials are also available to those who qualify. The Kingdom community is all about, one, creating an atmosphere of expectation for the supernatural. Two, strategically equipping the saints of God to fulfill their purpose in the kingdom. Three, connecting you to people and resources for personal growth, leadership development, and collaboration in mission and ministry. To learn more and to connect with us, visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. Our website again is kingdomcommunity.global. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us today at the Kingdom Community. We trust that you are encouraged as a result of spending time with us. We exist to connect, equip, and send you out into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the Kingdom of God. To learn more about the Kingdom Community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. Again, our website is kingdomcommunity.global. Together, we are better.
other and we are much better together. We exist to equip you to live an overcoming life and fulfill your purpose in God's kingdom. Through our live monthly training sessions, our webinars, online courses, discipleship resources, and personal mentoring, you will be transformed and equipped to make a difference in the world. Jesus said, the harvest is great and the workers are few. The Kingdom Community is here to see you released into your calling with the full manifestation of God's blessing and favor on your life. We offer apostolic covering and relational connection. The Kingdom Community has a team of seasonal leaders who can help you with guidance, counsel, coaching, and mentoring. Ministerial credentials are also available to those who qualify. The Kingdom Community is all about, one, creating an atmosphere of expectation for the supernatural. Two, strategically equipping the saints of God to fulfill their purpose in the kingdom. Three, connecting you to people and resources for personal growth, leadership development, and collaboration in mission and ministry. To learn more and to connect with us, visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. Our website again is kingdomcommunity.global. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us today at The Kingdom Community. We trust that you are encouraged as a result of spending time with us. We exist to connect, equip, and send you out into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the Kingdom of God. To learn more about The Kingdom Community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. Again, our website is kingdomcommunity.global. Together, we are better.